Hey everyone, welcome back to the Project Pelvic Health Podcast. So excited to have you. For those of you who are new here, my name is Dr. Erica Gladney. I am a doctor of physical therapy, and I am super passionate about educating women of all ages about their pelvic health and all the topics that fall within that category. Today, we are interviewing someone who I have the pleasure of working with, Charlene Haydorn. She is a strength and conditioning coach here at Village Fitness and Physical Therapy. She's super passionate about running, strength training, and specifically working with older female athletes who are feeling frustrated in their current stage of life, specifically women who are post and perimenopausal. So, hey, Charlene, thanks so much for joining us today. Hey, Erica, thanks for having me. So we're just going to dive right in. I would love for you to just tell us a little bit about yourself, what kind of work you've done prior to coming to Village, and what you do now. Sure. (laughs) So I spent most of my adult life raising my kids in the home, raising my family. Um, I've got three kids and who are now all adults Mm -hmm. and one grandchild. Yay. Yes. Um, And then... At some point later, as my kids were older, I actually founded a nonprofit. I did that work for about six years until um, I hit some pretty big burnout. That's where running became a big part of my life. I actually um, was a lifelong runner in high school. Mm-hmm. Um, I ran cross country and ran on and off, you know, in my adult years. But um, into my kind of early 40s, I hit a pretty big season of burnout, mm-hmm. um, really began to fall in love with running, um, become really passionate with that. And then that led me to, you know, deciding to move into coaching. Mm -hmm. I, you know, just wanted to bring that passion to others. And then that led to me becoming a a coach and trainer. And then that that led me here. Awesome. Can you tell us a little bit about the nonprofit that you worked at (laughs) or ran, owned? Yeah. (laughs) Yes. I, uh, Well, we basically um, opened a residential program for domestic victims of human trafficking here Mm -hmm. in the greater Los Angeles area, um, working with a high trauma population. Um, Yeah, just kind of brings on a lot of, you know, what's called vicarious trauma. So that I think was something that a lot of us um, dealt with and, you know, just particularly for myself kind of being immersed, you know, with that daily awareness of just like, such abuse and Mm -hmm. trauma every day it really just yeah was really um really hard work Mm -hmm. so Mm -hmm. do you feel like that has helped shape what you do now oh for sure for sure I think I have such a um a different understanding about how like trauma and stress affects the body affects Mm -hmm. the mind and then that how that affects um, the things we do on a day-to-day basis and, you know, how we, how we can perform in exercise and, you know, recover and all of those things. So, mm, yeah, so good. Sure. So good. So tell us a little bit about why you're so passionate about educating this specific population of women who are post and perimenopausal. Yeah. Um, one of the experts who has really done a lot of research and study around specifically working with female athletes is Dr. Stacy Sims. Mm. Um, she's an exercise physiologist and nutrition scientist. And I love kind of one of her taglines is that women are not small men. Mm. <laughs> Amen. Right? <laughs> women are not <laughs> small men, but so much of what 
we have guiding us in the fit fitness industry as far as programming and nutrition and recovery is really based on a lot of research that has been done using male subjects. And a lot of these male subjects are actually you know, men who are, are sedentary and overweight. Mm. And like, so they gather this information, they kind of put it out there as like, this is what's gonna work for everybody. But women, as you know, we are different. Mm-hmm. What makes us different, Erica? What What's the one thing about our bodies, right, that makes us different than men? What do we have every month? A period. <laughs> yes, <laughs> a period. And that is something that is just not talked about in the sports world. Like no. if you were in sports at all as a young female athlete, if you were in sports, you know, um, in that uh, age where you start to, you know, hit puberty and then get your period and then you're in high school like no coaches are talking about periods Mm -mm. it's just like the taboo topic and then that carries on into like college sports and then you know boom suddenly you're out of school you're an adult and you really still have no idea like how that part of your physiology is is playing a huge role in your training your performance how you recover Mm -hmm. um so even before like we even hit the perimenopause stage, that monthly cycle, right? We have our high hormone phase and our low hormone phase. And Mm -hmm. even within that monthly cycle, how we're approaching training and recovery should vary and change. So, so that's one reason I think that that's just a whole, like we're being given these sort of rules and, and sort of things to follow when it comes to programming and training, but none of it really takes into account how our monthly cycle mm-hmm. um, affects that. Mm-hmm. And then in addition, e- even more marginalized, I think, in that female category as far as information, data, research, is women um, who are perimenopause and then who are postmenopause. Like mm-hmm. there's very little information to help women understand now how their their training um and their recovery how that how things need to change based on this new season of life um Mm -hmm. and even within the fitness industry there's not a lot of understanding around that so um so i'm passionate about it because i you know i'm 48 Mm. you know Mm -hmm. i'm perimenopause right now Mm -hmm. i don't think i've um quite gone into full menopause that's a whole nother topic (laughs) (laughs) because even within um within that right like not all women even know when they're going into menopause I had a partial hysterectomy like 10 years ago so the one sign that tells me that tells most women that they're going into menopause which is they lose their period right I don't have a period and I haven't for 10 years right um, but I still ovulate, so mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I, I don't have that telltale signal that tells me now I'm in menopause. So, right. so right there's a nuance there. So there's so many nuances mm-hmm. for women who are peri and postmenopause to um, helping them figure out what's going to work for them now. Right. Because what worked for us then does not work for us now, mm-hmm. and it's not linear either. Mm-hmm. Like you might be experiencing those symptoms or telltale signs for a little bit and then they may go away so it's just not like as straightforward as we think yes sometimes exactly so tell us a little bit about how menopause specifically affects exercise for women yeah that's a great question um i i kind of want to start out just talking a little bit about the distinctions too in that that um the trajectory of menopause because even as women i think many women don't even understand their bodies they don't understand what stage they're in they Mm -hmm. don't understand you know what's happening right so perimenopause 
is what starts to happen about five to ten years before you kind of go into full menopause. Mm-hmm. Um, so at, during that period of time, you know, you're starting to see those hormones declining, the estrogen, the progesterone, right? We're starting to see a, a decline and we're starting to, at that phase, um, as, as it pertains to exercise, starting to notice like some changes, right? Things are like, you know, maybe we're not able to lose as much weight as quickly as we could before mm. or... Um, you know, we're just, we're struggling maybe more through our workouts, you know, but it's not as, uh, the change is not so, as, as so distinct yet mm-hmm, <laughs> in mm-hmm. perimenopause. Um, and then menopause is, is actually like an event. It's like, a, it's like the event, right? So they say a woman is kind of in menopause when she's gone a full year without having her menstrual cycle. So mm-hmm. there's kind of, you know, as you go through perimenopause then you hit that time where you know maybe you have your first couple months without a period and you're like oh is this it Mm -hmm. (laughs) you know and you keep going and then they say like okay once you've hit 12 months and you haven't had a period then you've kind of you've reached menopause I actually had a friend who went an entire year and then she had a period oh my (laughs) word she was like what a bummer (laughs) what a letdown yeah so that's kind of like so so it's almost like going into menopause like it's an event like you right you've hit menopause and then everything after that now is postmenopause. So okay. postmenopause is like you, you're done. You don't have that period anymore. You've kind of lost the production of those hormones. A lot mm-hmm. of women have to go on, um, right, uh, hormones that are prescribed by doctors mm-hmm. to kind of mm-hmm. kind of keep that some of that estrogen. Mm-hmm. So um, so that those are kind of some of the distinctions there. Okay. Some of the common things that are happening during menopause, um, and I, you know, I hear this from. So many of our clients, you know, a huge chunk of our clients yes. are women in this stage of life. Mm-hmm. In fact, just yesterday, um, I had three women right after small group training. They were just like, when are you going to do a workshop? You said you were, you know, <laughs> when you started working here, you said you were going to do a workshop. And when yes. is it? And she's like, they're, they're going to come in droves. We just need to know. Um, and so they're all saying the same thing, right? Mm-hmm. I'm gaining fat. I can't lose fat anymore. And Mm -hmm. all of my fat now is in my belly, right? Mm -hmm. They're gaining lots of belly fat rather than in their hips or in their thighs, right? In the earlier stages of life, especially during our childbearing years, most of our fat is being gained in our hips and our thighs, right? And that's Uh intentional, right? Mm -hmm. Because Mm -hmm. we're we're being, um, our bodies are meant to bear children during those ages. That's how we were designed. Exactly. So belly fat, it's it's just coming on and they don't they can't get rid of it. Mm. Okay. Loss of muscle mass. We start really seeing a decline in muscle mass, um, brain fog. That's actually mm. something I notice a lot in myself. Just um, just the ability to kind of think really clearly or lots of like, what was I doing? And you know, just the focus and clarity starts to really decline. Uh, poor sleep. Um, and that's a lot of that is due to like progesterone is one of the hormones that really helps promote um, better sleep, mm-hmm, right? It's mm-hmm. kind of an anti-anxiety mm, hormone. Mm-hmm. So that promotes better sleep. Um, a de- decrease in progesterone means a decrease in your sleep, sleep disturbance. I cannot tell you like almost every woman in peri and postmenopause are going to complain about their lack of sleep. Mm-hmm. They're, they're really struggling there. Yeah. Um, Estrogen is what helps regulate our body temperature. So I'm sure you've heard about women talking about night flashes, the right? Hot flashes, yes. <laughs> yes, wake up in hot this flashes pile of that happen sweat. all throughout the day, right? But yes. definitely that c- 
contributes to sleep disturbance. Mm-hmm. Um, it helps, uh, estrogen helps kind of in- promote REM sleep. Mm-hmm. So as that estrogen decreases, then we lose the ability to get into that REM, that deep REM sleep. Mm. Um, and then also estrogen really helps regulate cortisol. So as our estrogen is decreasing, then um, we start to see our cortisol just spiking a lot more. Um, yes. And then as we sleep, that even happens. So that, mm-hmm. you know, continues to contribute to poor sleep. Can you, before we continue, can you, for our listeners, describe cortisol and what specifically that can do to our bodies? Okay. So without getting too, like, in the weeds and making it more complicated than it needs to be, right. cortisol is essentially uh, our uh, like our stress hormone. Mm-hmm. It's when it's, it's what goes up in our body anytime our body is under stress. And mm-hmm. our body doesn't understand, our brain doesn't understand, it doesn't necessarily have any way to decipher where what that stress is from. So mm-hmm. that could be anxiety, that could be like a momentary jump scare, that could be like long-term um you know, just stress, emotional stress and mm-hmm. work stress. Mm-hmm. It could be exercise stress, right? Lack of sleep is creates stress. So mm-hmm. anytime we have any type of stress introduced to our lives, um, that cortisol goes up. And when that cortisol goes up, especially as you are, are getting into menopause, um, that is what uh, causes us to hang on to body fat. More. Right. That's right. Okay. Thank you. <laughs> yes. Um, so I'll, I'll continue on, um, another distinction or kind of symptom and thing that happens in menopause and even in perimenopause as we're kind of going through that transition, right? It's called a transition for Mm -hmm. a reason. Mm -hmm. It takes time. Um, is just our recovery from exercise is a lot harder. It Mm -hmm. takes longer in general, um, for men and women, as we age, we need more time to recover between hard, intense workouts. Mm-hmm, so, mm-hmm. Um, you know, in the uh, strength training world, that would be like bouts of heavy lifting, um, right. super, you know, heavy, intense lifting work. As a run coach, um, that could look like high intensity, hard speed workouts or mm-hmm. long runs, mm-hmm. things that are putting a lot of stress on the body. Um, we're going to need more time to recover. Mm -hmm. That's just in general as we age. Mm -hmm. On top of that, as women who are in menopause, that recovery is even longer. So Mm -hmm. while we were younger, we might have been able to go 24 hours from one day to the next to kind of go from one hard exercise, bout of exercise to another Mm -hmm. the next day. Now we need at least 48 hours. And with every decade that you get older, they they kind of recommend that that even increases to like 36 and then... 48 hours or 48 hours and then like 72 hours you know three Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. sometimes up to three days is what we're going to need to recover fully between those high intensity you know bouts of hard work so what's the risk someone runs if they don't take that time to fully recover between workouts what if they're just like i need to lose as much weight as possible i'm going to go hard at this Mm -hmm. every day these super intense high intensity workouts what's the risk that they run with not taking time to recover yeah it's actually counterproductive like the the work that we think we need to do um, is actually working against us so if we think i just got to keep you know, training harder and doing more and I'm not doing enough and that's why I can't can't lose weight. 
all that's happening is that you're putting you're putting all this stress on your body and you're causing the opposite to happen so you're not going to see the results you want to see you're mm-hmm. actually going to hang on to belly fat mm-hmm. you're not going to see progress in your strength gains you're mm-hmm. going to probably start seeing your muscle mass still keep decreasing and you run the huge risk of injury that's like yeah. a huge um that that's a big piece of it that mm-hmm. when you're putting that amount of continue to put that amount of stress on your body and you're not properly recovering you're just increasing your risk of injury right. and um so so you know I always go back to like what worked for us then doesn't work for us now mm. you know like mm-hmm. we have to almost think opposite so restricting calories you know when we were 20 to 30 years old we may see great weight loss and and like be able to keep that off mm-hmm. but doing that now no that's not going to work that's yeah. just going to that's going to make our body want to hang on to the fat yeah where do you feel like there's a gap because I feel like when a lot of at least our clients here at Village or even just people in general, when they think about losing weight, they think about going hard all the time. There's not really a lot of talk within the fitness industry about recovery time. Mm. Why do you think that is? Mm. So why do I think there's a gap in the industry among the like professionals that are sort of giving the information or a gap for the the athletes, the clients, the I people who are trying to both. see both I think as far as you know the in, the fitness industry and coaching and programming um, I mean honestly I think it's kind of across the board I think a lot of it is just a lack of education and a mm-hmm. lack of understanding it kind of goes back to what I was saying in the beginning we're trying to follow kind of a model that's like a one-size-fits-all for mm-hmm. for all genders and all ages mm-hmm. and stages mm-hmm. and um I, I just that doesn't work you know especially that gap between men and women mm-hmm. and um, so a lot of it I think just comes down to lack of education and specifically as we're talking about women and you know women who are you know peri and postmenopausal um, yeah I just think they don't know where to go they feel frustrated they don't you know right. and they are coming to us as like fitness experts mm-hmm. to help them figure this out and um, if we can't help them right if we don't know the answers then how are they supposed to like navigate all of the information that's out there to help them figure out like what they should be doing and it is so nuanced even from woman to woman right um depending on her age where she is at in that transition Mm -hmm. um what her current lifestyle looks like Mm -hmm. you know and what she's doing for exercise what she's doing for her nutrition uh, it's just so nuanced Mm -hmm. um that's why i do think like one-on-one personal training is huge so I think important. for women especially who are peri-postmenopausal because it's so nuanced and they need somebody who can really take a deep dive into um, what they're doing and then mm-hmm. give them a good roadmap to mm-hmm. like where they need to go got it can you, so we talked a little bit we actually we've talked a lot about recovery yeah can you kind of describe what what should a recovery look like does that mean just like sitting around all day mm-hmm. what 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 makes up recovery in between these workouts? Yeah, that's a great question. <laughs> I think that's a great question, especially because, again, I think for people who just, right, don't have a lot of knowledge around fitness, um, they might see rest and recovery as in, like, I'm just going to, I can just sit around today and right. be sedentary and not do anything. So, you know, recovery really should be active, mm. but not hard and intense, right? So when we're talking about recovery, it means we're taking a break from any intense, hard bouts 
of work. So again, heavy lifting, heavy, you know, hard running, hard cycling, whatever that is, whatever Mm -hmm. your sport is. Mm -hmm. Um, And using those days for active recovery. So that could look like mobility work, Mm -hmm. some stretching, some yoga, walks, Mm -hmm. a gentle bike ride, um, still getting some sort of movement in Mm -hmm. because movement is just such an important part of our daily life, especially as we age, we have to keep moving. Um, So that's what I, you know, when I'm talking about recovery, that's what I mean. It has to be low stress, Mm -hmm. but promoting movement Mm -hmm. and especially things that are going to promote like healthy joints. So Mm -hmm. I think Mm -hmm. mobility works great. Awesome. That's so helpful. Yeah. Can you talk a little bit about how menopause affects diet or if someone is trying to lose weight, they're feeling frustrated, you know, they're, they're having these recovery times, they're trying really hard to do all of the things with fitness, how does diet also play a role in that? Well, I think there's a couple different things um, that are happening. Uh, number one, estrogen, like a decrease in estrogen is causing insulin resistance, mm. okay? And with insulin resistance, our body tries to create even more insulin, which then promotes more fat storage, okay? So we have to first understand that like um, because of this change in our body, we have something kind of working against us that we we can't really control, right, mm-hmm. as far as this, this insulin resistance. Um, postmenopausal women have a harder time metabolizing fructose. So in general, right, avoiding kind of all sugar mm-hmm. is, yep. um, is a good idea, but specifically fructose. Um, premenopausal women can like store excess energy um, from fructose than postmenopausal women. And so then, you know, postmenopausal women end up with more fatty acids. Um, that really messes up the metabolism. And then again, just kind of promotes insulin resistance, which then like insulin resistance leads to things like obesity and type 2 diabetes, um, sorry, obesity, type 2 diabetes, mm-hmm. high cholesterol, high mm-hmm. blood pressure. Um, so I think that's one thing, understanding like how uh, that change in estrogen is is impacting things like hanging on to fat. Mm-hmm. Um, also, our body's ability to um, have a, a proper balance of um, how we can utilize protein and then like the breakdown of protein, like when our muscles break down, um, how we can synthesize that protein and then mm-hmm. build our muscles back up, that changes. Mm. Um, so basically we start to see an increase in muscle breakdown because you know we don't we're we're eating the protein and then we're breaking down our muscles Mm -hmm. and so that and then eating that protein to build those muscles back up Mm -hmm. right that balance is shifting Mm -hmm. um, and we're seeing an increase in muscle breakdown Um, and then also to make matters worse postmenopausal women don't really respond as well to muscle building stimuli in protein and resistance training so Mm. um that's so interesting. Yes. So, so like, we need more protein mm-hmm. as we as we hit that peri and then especially postmenopausal phase. Mm-hmm. Um, and all of that will ultimately help with someone's goal of weight loss. It should, right? There's so again, complex. it's so, so it is it's so nuanced, that, right? But, yeah. but in general, it's very helpful for a woman who is postmenopause to get some pro like a lot of it too is around nutrient timing so like making sure that she's getting a dose of protein like 30 minutes prior to the workout Mm -hmm. and then a dose of protein 30 minutes after the workout Mm -hmm. and then within two hours of the workout getting more protein Um, that's not to say that like yes the healthy fats and kind of those good 
healthy carbs, right? Like those good carbs from tons of veggies, like those are all right. super important. Yep. But when it comes down to like the breakdown mm-hmm. that's happening in mm-hmm. our muscles, it's so much more rapid. It's harder for that muscle to be built back up. So we really need to um, be thinking about like what we're eating before we go into a workout, what we're eating right after we have a workout, mm-hmm. and then even mm-hmm. a few hours later. And okay. then at bedtime, protein before bed is also a key thing that women mm. can be doing just you know 15 grams of protein before bed mm-hmm. um like a handful of nuts you know hitting that healthy fat right. <laughs> and some of that protein yeah um right before bed is a great um a great way to kind of get that protein that yeah. they need to have that balance and can you talk a little bit more about protein so i feel like when people hear protein i feel like a lot of people just dir- like automatically go to meat Mm-hmm. Can you talk a little bit about different types of protein? What what kind of variety should there be? Mm-hmm. Because these women need to be exp- eating so much protein, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. what are some ways that they can make sure they're getting the variety that they need with that? Yeah, that's a good question. Um, and then even kind of within that, there's differences in opinion on, sure. you know, what types of protein, animal protein, plant protein, right. and synthetic protein, you know, powders yeah. mm-hmm. and... Mm-hmm. Um, So, you know, I for sure, you know, really encourage whatever kind of proteins that you are going to have that they are high quality, that you know that they're coming from, they're sourced Mm -hmm. from, you know, a really high quality place. Mm -hmm. So if we're talking about animal proteins, right, that we know that they're they're, um, sourced, that the animals are raised um, and fed in a way that's, um, think about, you know, if you want to have red meat, right? choosing grass-fed over grain-fed yes. right you're going to have better quality meat and that actually translates it does, isn't just about like how animals are ethically raised it actually changes the quality of the food and the right. nutrients that we get mm-hmm. through that so mm-hmm. um you we know eat what they eat yes <laughs> we eat what they eat <laughs> same thing with plants right if you if you are a plant-based um person then making sure that those plant proteins are also um, sourced well, that they're ethically raised, that we're avoiding, you know, plants that are, you know, going more organic, mm-hmm. um, you know, avoiding plants that are going to be using a lot of pesticides and a lot of um, genetically modified techniques and, and that mm-hmm. sort of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, what else? <laughs> That's great. That's great. Yeah. Um, okay. So about to wrap up but I would love to just hear from you how has this kind of impacted your life so you are you're athletic you're a runner you're not quite to menopause yet but you're on the way what how has this kind of shaped your specific training Mm. your recovery what does this look like for you Mm -hmm. on the day to day yeah yeah I have already started to make changes to my approach in my own training Mm -hmm. personally um, this last half marathon training cycle that I went through, um, I kind of changed up some things. I, I switched, uh, well, about a year and a half, probably two years ago now. Um, one of the first things I changed was that I switched to low heart rate based training for, mm. um, for my running. Mm-hmm. So I found that like most runners, I was running in the black hole. I Mm. was running at what I thought was an easy pace, but really I was running in that aerobic zone where there was just a lot of stress accumulating in my body and very little adaptation. So I had kind of plateaued Mm. um, in what I was able to see Mm performance-wise. So 
Um, so I, I decided to go and switch to low heart rate based training, which was a really hard transition because I had to go really slow mm-hmm. and it was pretty big hit to my ego, you yeah, know, to like be the like complete opposite of what wow. you've been doing. <laughs> like I'm running a 13 minute pace now to keep my yeah. heart rate, you know, at my low heart rate max mm. and it, it's kind of demoralizing for a bit, sure. but you know, I had to keep reminding myself like this is the mark of, of a mature, um, athlete Mm, is to be able to know when to show restraint and so you know and in time that began to pay off I I deloaded the stress that I had been accumulating in my body I finally began to see some increases in my paces Um, so that was the first thing I did Um, the second thing I did when I trained for my last half marathon was I switched from a um, seven day training cycle to a 10 day micro training cycle so Mm. in the running world right most of your training is based on like a seven day period so Mm -hmm. in a seven day micro cycle period you would have typically you know three to four easy runs Mm -hmm. and then maybe a speed workout and Mm -hmm. then a long run Mm -hmm. in a seven day period so i switched from a seven day to a 10 day training cycle so spreading out those harder um bouts of of work so Mm -hmm. the long like one long run in 10 days instead Mm -hmm. of one long run Mm -hmm. in seven days same thing with speed workouts, um, giving myself more recovery time mm-hmm. in between those harder workouts. And I PR'd, like ran my mm-hmm. fastest half marathon that I've ever That's amazing. ran, <laughs> you know, at, 40, at 47. That. So That's amazing. Um, so it's, it's a true, to me, it's a true testament to um, when we can shift um, our training to really match our physiology, yes. our current stage of life, um, and then especially as women, um, being able to tune into like what else needs to change mm-hmm. based on where I'm at in my my life cycle, mm-hmm. <laughs> right? Mm-hmm. Um, then you know we should be able to still be high performing athletes well yes. into our 60s, 70s, 80s. Yep. You know that's what I want. It works. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> awesome. Yeah. That's awesome. So last question here: If a woman who has gone through menopause is feeling frustrated about her workout routine, mm-hmm. she feels like she's plateauing, she's not seeing results, she's having a hard time losing weight. What would you tell her? What needs to change? What does she need to start paying attention to? What would you say to her? Yes, I would tell her that hope is not lost. Don't oh, yes. lose hope. Mm. Um, with the right adjustments to nutrition to training that's going to suit your current physiology you can continue to lose fat, gain lean muscle mass, and bone density. Mm. And I think for, I've already, I said this earlier already in our chat, but I think for women who are really ready to do the deep dive and make make the change like all around as far as their nutrition is concerned, mm-hmm. their work, what they're doing for exercise, um, their lifestyle habits, like those women that are really ready to take a look at it all, Mm-hmm. and make some changes across the board working one-on-one with a trainer coach yeah um, is what I recommend because you're gonna get somebody who can really take the time to do that deep dive with you mm-hmm. look at what you're currently doing and say okay let's make these tweaks here and there mm-hmm. and I think that's what a lot of women in this stage of life mm-hmm. could really benefit from because like I said it is so nuanced and yes. Um, unique to each person. Yes. And there's so many different things that play a part in that. Mm -hmm. Charlene, thanks so much for joining me today. 
I learned a lot. I know our listeners probably learned a lot. Um, if they wanted to get in contact with you, is there an email that they could email? If they want to ask you questions relating to them specifically. How can they get a hold of you? Sure. My email is charlene at villagefpt.com. And I'm happy to chat with or answer any questions that any any woman or male has. Yes. <laughs> I hope that I'll get some emails from men who are like, I want to understand my wife better and yes. you know, how to support her. I think that would be great. Yes, yes. Well, thank you again, Charlene. Thanks so much for tuning in. Thank I you. hope you enjoyed listening today um, and catch us next time on Project Pelvic Health.